to the Bring Them Home Aliyah podcast, hosted by Josh Wander. Welcome back to Bring Them Home. This is Josh Wander speaking from Yerushalayim, Ira Kodesh. We have a special guest today, Simcha Rothman. He is number four on the national religious list uh, in the upcoming 24th uh, Knesset elections. And uh, although we very rarely have uh, politicians. In fact, this is not a political show at all. We believe that this is much more a religious show than a political show. But since this party claims to be both a mixture of religion and politics, we are happy to have Simcha on to discuss that that sy- synthesis and how that connects. Welcome to the show, Simcha. Hi, hi. Um, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So tell us, there are a lot of people that are listening. Most of our listeners are actually listening from abroad. Uh, so they do not know anything about or know very little about the Israeli political uh, system and how it works. Uh, most of them are, are from North America, and they're used to a two-party system where you have uh, Democrats and Republicans. Tell us what the difference in, in, in a nutshell between the Israeli political system and the American, uh, North American and Canadian uh, systems. So, uh, yes, in Israel we have, uh, uh, the system is parliamentarian uh, system. We don't have uh, separate elections for uh, president and, uh, and uh, parliament. Uh, we choose uh, parties to form the parliament, and the parliament uh, then uh, um, uh, forms a government um, and, and chooses the majority. In the parliament, you need to have majoritarian uh, government in order to assemble the government, and then uh, run forward. Um, you basically, um, it's, there is uh, the separation, the hard separation that the people from the U.S. are, um, um, are used to accept between the, the, the parliament, the, the Congress, the Senate, and the president um, in different elections time, different uh, way of assemble, assemb- assemblies, and uh, so it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't exist in Israel, and in most other parliamentarian system, more like uh, the UK has a similar system and, and some uh, European countries. Um, that's uh, one difference. The second difference is we don't have Israel um, used to be very small in population, um, um, and, but is definitely very small in area. And um, so the system, we, we only have one uh, voting area. We don't have uh, geographical lines. Um, we don't have constituencies in the way people from uh, from the larger countries uh, are used to. Um, so the system, you choose a party based on mostly on the ideology. It's not your local representative. You don't have your congressman. Although um, I have to say we are trying, uh, the, the Religious Zionist Party trying, and Betzal Smotich is more like uh, the, uh, the head of the, the, is the head of the party. He's in his... Uh, way of acting before, he used to act a little bit like your congressman um, and something in the way American American voter will, will think about, but of course, not to his constituency, but the, all of the state of Israel. When he was a, um, 
when, when he was a minister of transportation, when the bus came late, people sent him WhatsApp. So uh, is that a way of connection with, with your voters? Um, it's, more, um, it's more common in the ultra-Orthodox parties keep these kind of connections with their um, representatives, the ultra-Orthodox communities, and also the uh, religious Zionist uh, community also used to it. Um, in the general public, it's less uh, known and less common, this, uh, this way of interacting with your representative. So another interesting thing, uh, just as a disclaimer before I go forward, um, I am a uh, central committeeman of a, uh, of a different party, and I, I am also um, have, uh, have uh, a very close uh, personal relationship with Bitsal Smutrich, the head of your party. So just to put that aside, that I, that I, have, I, I, I love everyone. Uh, what might be a little bit confusing about, and, and, and by the way, I have uh, WhatsApped uh, Bitsal before on bus issues, so I can attest to the fact that he does answer those issues, and it's pretty impressive for a minister. Imagine the Secretary of Transportation in the United States answering WhatsApp messages about uh, bus issues. That, that's unheard of. Another thing that might be confusing for our listeners is in the United States, at least, there's such a thing, and in many countries around the world, there's a separation between uh, church and state, and the idea to have a religious party is something that might confuse people. What, what is the, why do you have a religious party? Is it necessary? What, what's that all about? Um, so, so first, uh, the, I'm sorry to say, but the U.S. and the United States is uh, the unique example, is the rare example. Most countries around the world has a strong connection between church and state in different areas. Of course, we mentioned uh, the U.K. before. There is the Anglican, uh, the Anglican, the Anglican church where, where the, the king or queen is the head of state and is the head of the Anglican church. Um, and also uh, many countries around Europe uh, has this uh, connection. And of course, of course, the Muslim countries, uh, many of them are the Islamic Republic of. Um, um, not to, to compare, it's a very wide range of connections that are um, available in this uh, supermarket of, uh, of countries and states around the world in the connection between uh, church and state or I would, as I would prefer saying, synagogue and state um, um, in, the, in the Israeli uh, term. Um, but of course, it's the matter of the nation state. The nature of Israel is to be the homeland of the Jewish people. Um, that's, uh, that's the goal, that's the result of the state of Israel. And, um, and if that's, um, that's the way, reason we exist as a country, as a state. And therefore, because you can't really separate, and I don't think anyone suggests to do so, between the religion, uh, the Jewish religion to the Jewish people, um, it's a separation. Um, even secular Jews won't accept. They're definitely not observant Jews, definitely not uh, uh, the, the connection between religion and nation. Um, so but there, there is a divide, Simcha, of those that believe that it is a Jewish state versus a state of the Jews. And there's a big difference when you look at it from those two different angles. Yes, but um, I think that people that say, um, I, I don't support um, um, the term of state of the Jews. And um, I think that anyone who reads seriously uh, the, our founding fathers' documents or uh, Megillat Atzma'ut, the Israeli Declaration of Independence, 
or, um, anyone who reads them seriously cannot really understand the state of Israel and all the and all the laws and the things that passed in Israel um, that show that it's a Jewish state. It's not a state of the Jews, um, and it was formed to be a Jewish state. Of course, there is a difference between a Jewish state and halacha state. It's a different it's a different uh, term. That's why I say, uh, and no one will say that uh, England is a, a Christian state in the, mat- in the matter of you have to be Christian to be English. But of course, England has a very strong connection. And yes, there is an Anglican church. So, so again, um, the fear of uh, coercion, and of course we object to any coercion based on religion, is one thing. And the identity and the culture and the atmosphere to be a Jewish state is uh, something that the state of Israel was formed to be. Just a short example, um, many Jews in the U.S., uh, actually um, one of my cousins, um, join uh, the U.S. Army or the, or the Marines, um, but no one, and, and, and they will even get, um, the, the Army will supply for them kosher food because as a consideration for their uh, religion. But in Israel, from the fir- very first day of the state of Israel, the decisions that Ben Gurion made, he said, all the food in the army will be kosher. All the kitchen, even though the observant Jews were a minority at that time, uh, a very small minority, if you will, and definitely a minority amongst the, uh, the, the, the army, the, the soldiers. But he said, we don't want the uh, kosher issue to become a separation in the army. The army will keep kosher in order that anyone and everyone that um, um, is in the Jewish uh, state will be able to join the army and eat freely in any base that is stationed. We won't have this kind of problem in Israel. That's a major um, identity um, of the state as a Jewish state. Also, all the food in all government facilities must be kosher for the same reason. So it doesn't matter if you keep kosher. You, you can, no one will coerce you to keep kosher. You can get not kosher food in Israel. You can sell not kosher food in Israel. And no one will get into your kitchen. But the government, the state, am supposed to act in a way that um, uh, broadcasts to anyone who, who wants to listen that this is a Jewish state, it's the homeland of the Jewish people and a Jewish state. Um, I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't help but speak. I, I didn't really want to go into it too too deeply, but I can't help by mentioning the fact that the Supreme Court, the High Court of Justice, uh, this past week has accepted the uh, in their ruling that they would uh, accept reform and conservative uh, conversions in the country, and that is clearly. Uh, not uh, halachic and not Jewish. So th- there is definitely a fine line between these two concepts. And, 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 and we're not talking about coercion here. We're talking about how, who is a Jew, some basic uh, definitions of what it means to be a Jew. I, I was fortunate to be an advisor to the Moledet faction under Rav Beni Alon Zichronot uh, Vracha. And he was, he was adamant, he was uh, objected to the fact that people would be called dati'im, that they'd be called religious, because he believed that by, by nature all Jews are religious because they're Jews. If somebody defines themselves as being a Jew, then they are by definition religious because they're Jewish. Uh, how much of that religion they observe is another 
another discussion and every person obviously is is different in that way definitely and uh, you mentioned this ruling and of course this ruling um i um um it's a big challenge i don't want to say uh, uh, but I, you know what i have to say because one of the judges that supported this decision in the majority opinion said that this ruling is a grave danger to the state of israel so and there was a, a clear calling uh, for the legislator to solve this issue and of course, we as a party plan to do so because it's really a grave danger. Um, the connection between uh, the Jews abroad and Israel is very important to the state of Israel. And um, you, you, it's, it doesn't matter uh, um, uh, what I think about this issue. We have to acknowledge that a, a big portion of the Jewish people are reform and conservative and, and they're still our brothers and we love them and we want connection with them. But of course, we can't allow um, this kind of uh, um, a, a fast lane to uh, Judaism in Israel when all the incentives to 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 get to go and pass the line. If you have a long too much, you want to become an Israeli citizen to get a citizenship or naturalization in Israel. It's and you are not and you are not Jew. It's a very long path to go through. So anyone who will stand in line for too long in the Ministry of Interior will say, okay, I'll just uh, stop by in the next uh, um, uh, reform community in Israel, which is basically non-existent, and I will pass the line, I'll become a, uh, a Jew and I can stay forever in Israel. I don't need to extend my visa anymore. I don't need to get a permit to work. I am uh, just an anyone else. It's a big incentive. It's a big danger for um, the people who... Um, not because they wanted to become part of the Jewish people, but because uh, of uh, convenient reasons, will just uh, declare themselves as Jews of convenience. And that is something, of course, that it's a big danger to the Jewish majority and to Jewish identity in Israel. The law of return is based off of the Nuremberg laws, uh, that even one grandparent uh, that is Jewish is, is not sufficient to, uh, to, for the, for, to legally be considered uh, eligible under the law of return, uh, which for many Orthodox Jews, that's, uh, that's uh, strange, if not abhorrent, to have such a, a, a law that is based on, on such, a, such a terrible uh, part of our uh, tragic past. And uh, a lot of people are against it. Is there any, any, any uh, efforts being made in order to change the law of return to apply to halachic Jews, not any, anyone who had one grandparent who was Jewish? So, so it's not, um, I don't want to get into the historical debate, but um, there is an historical debate what, about what he said. It's not really based on the Nuremberg uh, laws. There was some kind of, the, the, and of course, the original version of the law did not include this uh, clause. Um, so so um, the, this grandson clause in the law of return is really problematic. It created a situation that in the past year, more people that came through the law of return are, are not Jews. Not even not they're not. I'm not talking about halakhically Jews. Even as their own identification, you will ask them, "Are you a Jew?" You will say no. Some of them are. Uh, so 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 it's a uh, uh, it's a big problem. One of uh, bef even before this uh, ruling from yesterday, it was definitely on our agenda for the hundred days plan uh, for Tzionudatid for the religious Zionist party to cancel this uh, grandson clause 
in the law of return and really allow for uh, uh, Jews that are real Jews to come to Israel because we have a mission to safe uh, to keep Israel as the home and the safe haven for the Jews around the world and not uh, being not let us uh, our immigration laws and law of return to be abused. So that's uh, one thing. As I told you about halakhic religious, um, this definition is definitely, I support it, but it's very hard to uh, um, get a right answer. What does it mean, halakhically Jew? And of course, we don't want to close the door, to shut the door on our uh, um, brothers from across the sea. And we need, but we need to find a very um, gentle solution um, to, to accept people that identify as Jews, but make sure that they are uh, halakhically Jews or can or go through some kind of process that won't create uh, two separate uh, Jewish people inside Israel. We cannot have this. We need to, and the halacha is a very good way, as in the same way on the kosher issue that I said before and other issues, you need to keep this uh, in line that people will recognize each other because it's not enough to self-identify yourself as a Jew. You need to be recognized by your peers as a Jew. And, and nationality and uh, brotherhood of the Jews um, need to be both self-identified and uh, recognized by others that are part of those uh, communities and nations. So, uh, so we, we need to find a solution for that, but the definition is really, uh, that's why it's very delicate issue, definitely not an issue for the court to decide. It doesn't have not the time, not the patience, not the authority or the, or the uh, ability to de- make those kind of decisions. You, you've, you're touching upon a point which I know that is dear to you and it's something that's dear to me, which is the idea of separation of powers, um, I'll, I'll tell you a very quick story that I, I was fortunate enough to study under uh, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, Zichron uh, Olivrecha, and, uh, and he uh, often spoke about this concept of separation of powers, and he was he was very clear. He used to love to say that that what makes the United States so great, the system in the democratic system in the United States so great, is not its constitution. Uh, he made it clear that every what he used to say, two-bit uh, dictator in the world has a, as an equal, if not better, constitution than the United States has. Uh, in fact, he, you, you often pointed to the, uh, the constitution of the USSR uh, to show that there are many, many rights above and beyond what the Bill of Rights in the United States has when it comes to, um, when it comes to their constitution. You have the right to vacation. You have the right to work. You have all sorts of rights that, that many, most other countries didn't have. But everybody knows that in the USSR you had very few actual rights. Um, that having been said, he said what made, makes the system work and what makes it special and unique is the separation of powers. Now, here we don't have a constitution, although we've been working on it for many years now. Uh, and we also uh, have a very serious issue when it comes to the separation of powers. Maybe you just want to touch upon it in a couple sentences. What can be done? So many people point to this as maybe the most serious threat uh, to Israel today is the the uh, the uh, extreme power uh, of the activist court that we have, uh, and 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 how that overrides the other um, the other branches of government here. 
So uh, yes, it's a it's a real problem, and as and as we, as we spoke about the ruling from yesterday, which goes and, and joins a very long line of other rulings threatening the Israeli immigration policy and uh, threatening uh, security and other issues. Um, it's a major issue, needs to be taken care of, and the uh, religious that's basically was my life goal for the past eight years um, as the founder of Meshilut. The, the, the Israeli movement for governability and democracy to make this uh, issue in the public uh, clear to the public, clear to the elected officials and offer solutions. Um, and, and basically I can say that the agenda, the 100, day, the 100 days uh, uh, program for the religious Zionism party um, is, uh, is uh, very detailed on this issue. We have a seven page uh, in Hebrew, of course, uh, a program in English, I believe it will be longer. <laughs> I hope it will be translated. But um, uh, seven pages program to uh, address those issues. The first um, um, important change is the, to apply an override mechanism saying that the, the court cannot cancel Knesset laws and the last word on legislation uh, should be to the elected officials. We are not really, uh, we won't be able to call ourselves seriously a democracy if legislation is not being done by elected officials and only elected officials. But, but just to clarify, you're, you're not against judicial review. You, you do believe that the um, court does have what to say. I, I believe you can do judicial review on issue that the public in a, very, in a special majority or in a special way uh, put above the regular legislator. Um, when you have a constitution that gives this power to a court or to uh, um, uh, uh, the right kind of uh, entity in the government to do so, then it's, it might be a good idea. But when you do it without a constitution, based on the views of a specific judge or specific judges, um, and they put their will and their ideology above the elected officials' uh, um, ideology and the public's ideology, then you have a problem. How are they appointed, these uh, Supreme Court justices? So, so, so uh, yeah, you jump immediately to the third chapter. Of, I know, uh, I know, we have a little time, so I'm trying to get everything yeah, out. It's excellent. It's a very, it's a very good, uh, it's a very good uh, way to pass to this uh, third, uh, third uh, chapter in our program is to change the way you appoint judges in Israel, because judges in Israel today are appointed by a committee of nine, of which only two are Knesset members. And if you want to count also the ministers as uh, elected officials, which is a reasonable thing to do, then you have four out of the nine that are elected officials representing both majority and minority in, public, in, in the Israeli public. Meaning the Israeli public majority and minority is still a minority in the committees that appoint judges. The rest is three Supreme Court judges and two members of the Israeli bar, which are also very much uh, connected to the uh, to the court, so actually you have five uh, um, legal uh, professionals, three judges and two lawyers, that have uh, the ultimate power to appoint judges, even if everyone in the Knesset and the government object to this appointment. When you go to the Supreme Court, they the it's a little bit better, but it's much worse because um, you can appoint. You can appoint uh, um, a judge to the Supreme Court with a seven out of nine majority. You need to have seven votes, uh, meaning if all the elected officials object to a, 
to a, a candidate he won't be appointed. But the same way, if all Supreme, current Supreme Court judges um, uh, object to an appointment, then it won't happen. So, so you have a self-appointed, self-perpetuating judiciary that uh, the distance between the views of the judges and the views of the public is uh, ever-growing. And just to uh, clarify again, they're, they're not confirmed by the Knesset. So, so Not never- confirmed by the Knesset. Uh, so that's exactly what we want to change. We want to have a system more like the U.S. Um, and the government, uh, the Minister of Justice, will offer candidates and it will be hearing and confirmation in the Israeli parliament. Um, definitely for uh, Supreme Court judges and, and higher-ranking judges, but, uh, but that's, that's a very important change because then uh, the distance between the views of the judges and the views of the people will not see, be so, uh, 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 the distance will not be so big and, uh, and you will be able to regain the trust that the, the judges does not uh, enforce their own political views on the public. So two quick yeah. questions, because it sounds like you have a grasp on democracy uh, a lot more than the vast majority of Israelis here in the country, uh, many of which, and I don't blame them for it, a lot of them came from countries that were not democratic countries. Um, and one of the reasons we encourage so much Aliyah from, uh, from democratic countries is that the fact that they can really make a change when they come here to the system and, and make it more democratic. Uh, but how do we, how do we educate? I, th- I think one of the biggest problems is education when it comes to teaching the, the general Israeli public what is a democracy? Everybody loves to speak about democracy, but very few of them can actually know what a democracy actually is. How do, how do we get that into the, the curriculum of the schools here so they can actually understand the, the, what, what a democracy is? So first, uh, you, put, you put the finger on the, on the problem. Uh, you point the finger at the problem. Uh, education, even in Israel, about what democracy is and, uh, and, and how systems should work is uh, problematic needs to be changed, the education, um, the education at large and educa- specific Jewish education is a major issue for the religious Zionist party in Israel. Uh, it was the first uh, part of our 100-day plan that we, we showed, and it's by, by far the largest and the most detailed program, even more, believe it or not, even more uh, detailed than the program we have on the justice system, which is quite detailed, um, because it's very important. Um, and, but also, I have to say, I hear that a lot, that uh, you don't know how, uh, that people do not know how the democracy works because they come from non-democratic countries. Um, the, the Jewish people, and sometimes you hear with this uh, argument from the right wing in Israel and sometimes from the left wing in Israel, and I don't accept it, I have to say. Um, the Jewish people uh, manage his own affairs through the communities in the most democratic way way before anyone in the US, England, or Europe, or whatever country you can imagine even understood what democracy is. When you see the inner management of the Jewish community throughout the years, from the, even in, through the Middle Ages. Are you referring to the Zion Tuveya era, or are you referring back to the fact that there was a Sanhedrin and a Kohanim and and, um, and and you can go even you can go even way back there, but I'm talking about uh, through the th- two thousand years of diaspora. Um, any uh, self management the Israel the Jews had was democratic in nature, and uh, um, uh, decisions were accepted in a majority vote. And you have you had an inner structure 
the community. And also the state of Israel, when it was started, we had a democratic structure under the British mandate that acted as a small community, which was quite large, called Knesset Israel, inside Israel. Because the Jews always knew how to handle their affairs in a democratic way, even when they lived under non-democratic uh, um, countries. So, so we know what democracy is as a, as, a, as a nation. And therefore, sometimes people say, oh, a Jewish and democratic state, it's, there is a tension. You cannot really have a Jewish state if it's a democratic, and you not really can have a democratic state if it's a Jewish. And actually, it's the, uh, the exact opposite. Israel will not be democratic if it won't be Jewish. You see what's going on around in our neighborhood. Any country that is not Jewish around us is, you can't call it a democracy. And Israel will not, so Israel will not be democratic if it's not Jewish. And Israel will not be Jewish if it won't be democratic because undemocratic forces in Israel, as, as we mentioned before, uh, declared basically a battle on the Jewish state. For, for many reasons, they don't really want to have a Jewish state. Some would, some would say they want uh, to be a state of all its citizens. Of course, we want to support the, the equal rights of all citizens, but the, it's only the homeland, the homeland of the Jewish people. And the basic law in Israel that made to, in order to make this issue uh, um, and, 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 and very strongly and deeply rooted in Israeli constitution to be the basic law, Israel as the homeland of the Jewish people, is now under hearing in the Supreme Court. Judges think for some reason that the basic identity of Israel as the Jewish state uh, and as the homeland of the Jewish people is, uh, is for them to decide. And that's really a, 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 a challenge uh, we, want, we are going to face in the next Knesset and Bezat Hashem. I hope the religious Zionist party will have the power to, to address it right. So there are very few parties, and I'll finish the de democracy conversation here. There are very few parties in the Knesset that are actually democratic parties when it comes to having a democratic uh, primaries that decide who is going to be on their list. Um, your party is actually one, not one of those parties that has a democratic primary beforehand uh, that's open to the, the general public. So, so how do you explain that? If you're if you're so much into democracy, why doesn't your party uh, become a democratic uh, open primaries party? So first, um, I don't accept the, the the idea that you you must have primaries in order to be a democratic uh, party because the Israeli public. Uh, no one forces anyone to vote for any party. So, so once you you put what you have out there, and if the public votes for you, then they, that's the list that they want. But um, but having said that, as a general rule, Vitaly uh, Smotrich, the head of the party, said that he wants to do primaries when you have uh, elections every uh, two or three uh, months or four months. It's very hard to uh, uh, make the time to arrange a, a, a wide uh, a census of the, 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 the voters and let them uh, vote and choose the party. Uh, that's a problem we had in the past uh, two years in Israel. But definitely he said that he tried to, to, go, to get to a union of uh, the two uh, um, smaller parties for the religious Zionist uh, community in Israel. Uh, to make them unite and, and run on the primaries. That's uh, something that we wanted to do for different reasons. It did not happen, but uh, not to, to get too much into details. 
But of course, uh, th this is a very good idea to do, but uh, I don't accept the fact that if you don't do primaries and you're not a democratic party because no one has to vote to your party. You can vote to party if you, if you believe that the people that are in our list will no, but the question, who's Who's choosing what your part, the makeup of your party? Is it going to be done in a democratic way or is it going to be chosen by people that are within a smoke-filled so, room and they're deciding for themselves who's in the party? Of course, no one has forcing anyone to vote for a specific yeah, party. Yeah, so, so that's, that's, why, that's why I don't accept the fact that you must have a primary in order to have a, a democratic party, because that, that, that's, I, I said, it's a very, it might be a long discussion, but okay. not, for, not for now, but the, same, but the, the, the religious Zionist party uh, has a decision by its institutions that chose the list today. It's not a one-person decision to have a census, a large census, and uh, uh, vote for primaries. Again, it's a little bit hard to do when you don't have um, separate constituencies and anyone from everyone around the Israel from the 10 million can vote for you. How do you define who is your, who are your voters, who are your uh, people that can join the democratic process of your party? Well, and now, well, the, the, the other parties that have this today, and, and we're going to have, have a problem with hostile takeovers for, for, that for be, but people, people just like in the United States, people join a party here. They actually pay, may have to pay for being a member of the party. But uh, you pledge there, there's a pledge that is made that you agree to the platform of that party. Of course, yes. people can lie and they can say they don't believe again, it. Again, it created a lot of problems for many just recently. And we'll finish with that because it's we're really uh, yeah. just recently it happened in the Avodah party, in the left wing party of Avodah, that the people that joined very fast voted for the uh, candidate. And the number seven there was uh, uh, someone I have a lot of criticism of the of Avodah, but I don't think they are that extreme that they said she said you have to exterminate um, uh, Zichon Yaakov, one of the cities in Israel, and send all the people back to the U.S. Now she's an Arab candidate; she was chosen through the democratic system of the Avodah. But some people within the Avodah party applied to the election committee, a general election committee, to outlaw uh, her because of this, uh, this uh, saying. So you have a problem when you have in a, in a, in a system which is not very easily done um, to, from, to, to protect yourself, especially if you're a small party, to protect yourself from uh, this kind of hostile takeover. And that's, that's why I don't really accept that it's uh, a black and white question. Simcha Rothman from the National Religious Party. Thank you so much. Good luck to you in the upcoming elections. Hopefully we'll have you on again. There's so much more to discuss that we haven't gotten to, but I know you're busy. So thank you. For thank you. Us. Take care. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bring Them Home Aliyah podcast. If you identify with our message, please subscribe and tell your friends about us too. You can leave us a review on iTunes as that really helps us grow. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. For sponsorship opportunities and for all other inquiries, please email us at bringthemhomeisrael at gmail.com. Check out our website at www.israeltorah.org for more content on this vital topic. This is the place to be.